JB Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 78 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about InsureTech for the middle market, AI sales enablement, and more with Jackie Vergna from Vergna Advisory. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, of course, as we record this, it's Friday. It's going to be Thursday when you actually get this uh, published out to the podcastosphere. Uh, but uh, greetings and salutations, of course, with me, my illustrious co-host, Rob Galbraith. Rob, what's up, buddy? Just another day in paradise we call Texas. Yeah, you know it, man. Tell you what, we got eh, crazy cold and windy yesterday. It was not, not super pleasant. Uh, I was landing in it last night, and uh, it was... It was cha- it was it was challenging because it was super cold and the the winds run straight down the runway were were fifteen to thirty knots, which means uh, it was uh, it was one of the one of the one of the fun ones where you're having to do a lot of work while you land. Uh, but uh, uh, it was all good. I got to go out to San Diego, uh, which is a German town. Uh, if you didn't know that, uh, not German. Not German. Sorry, I'm just obsessed with Ron Burgundy. I was out in San Diego this week. Weather was 72 and sunny the whole time I was out there, of course. Got to speak to a, a conference out there. Got to hang out this week as well with a bunch of uh, YPO members talking about InsureTech. There are about 35 of us on my, uh, on a, I'm a YPO member and got to hang out with a bunch of uh, insurance uh, CEOs uh, this week, uh, just geeking out on InsureTech. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a busy week for talking about InsureTech, Rob. It was out there uh, on the, on the virtual talk, you just said you're the out with the like the man on the street, kind of the microphone, you know, yeah, at events like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need to just do like on the spot interviews with people. It was a good week though. Uh, with us today from New Jersey. Uh, sorry, I, I'm obsessed with Saturday Night Live, and that's how they always say New Jersey, Jackie. So, uh, Jackie, we're now with us. Jackie, what's going on? Thank you for having me, Rob and uh, Jim. Um, certainly appreciate it. Uh, very glad to be here. Um, yeah. Yes, I am from New Jersey, uh, very close to Manhattan. <laughs> and like you said, we had some crazy weather. We lost power. So yeah. I was up at 3 a.m. It was nuts. I had alarms going off. Um, <laughs> but thank God I have a generator. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, generators yeah. are a lifesaver. And yeah, uh, of course, really we, we learned that the hard way here in Texas a year ago when we had the we called it snowpocalypse or snowvid. Um, it, it was ugly, but like for people in New Jersey, it's like another Saturday. I mean, <laughs> although I saw I saw the weather radar for what was rolling through your your neck of the woods, and it was ugly. So I mm-hmm. I'm not surprised you lost power, but I'm glad everything's okay. Uh, yes. ja- uh Now now Jackie is uh is joining us from New Jersey, but we're gonna geek out on InsureTech with her today. We're gonna have a lot of fun talking about uh, all the different stuff she's been working on. We're gonna talk about her. Uh, before we actually do, I just want to remind you out there and uh, in listener land, if you're watching this on our live video stream on uh, LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, or on uh, Vimeo, those are the four places you can watch the video. 
uh, and you want to subscribe to the podcast, which is like the audio version, you can text Geek Out. That's G E E K Geek Out Geek Out Geek Out to six six eight six six. So text Geek Out to six six eight six six, and you can never miss an episode. We'll send you the show notes, and we'll email in the pod when the, when the episode drops. We'd love to have you subscribe to our email newsletter. And uh, back to our special guests. So, Jackie, um, let's before we talk about your company, um, let's talk about you. Uh, you're from New Jersey. Uh, you got uh, you know an undergrad, a master's. You got a you got a doctorate in business administration. So we should call you Doctor Jackie. Um, and uh, you uh, you've worked in insurance for some time now. Uh, started out in the exact same place I started out. Uh, you were you started out at State Farm. I started out building a um, a, a web application uh, that State Farm used to order insurance inspections on on houses. So you and I got oh. the and and State Farm was my very first insurance agency ever. Whenever whenever oh, I first started wow. buying insurance, so you got to start there, and you were there for about fifteen years, and then you you moved through Fireman's Fund, um, went to Selective Insurance, went to Chubb. Um, you spent a couple of years over at Duck Creek. Uh, they're having their mm-hmm. formation conference coming up in March right. down in Orlando. By the way, if, you, if anybody's ever, if anybody's going to formation in Orlando in March, let me know. Uh, and then you uh, you went to Swift, Franklin Mutual. So you you've really uh, done some interesting rounds out there in both insurance companies and uh, insure tech. Um, yeah. What got you interested in insurance in the first place? Like if you wind back to eighteen year old Jackie. Mm-hmm. She's at William Patterson University as a freshman in New Jersey. Like, what's she dreaming of doing, and how'd you wind up in insurance? Yeah, great question. I, you know, it, it I fell into insurance by default, which I think a lot of us do. Um, State Farm was right down the road. I, what, I, you know, I lived in Wayne. Uh, I was going to William Patterson in Wayne. I was going at night, um, and State Farm was right down the road, and I went in. And I think what most people will probably tell you or, you know, insurance is it's, it's complicated. It's intellectually intriguing. Um, and it's it's safe. It's, it's a position that you're always, you're always going to have a job in insurance because insurance is necessary. It's needed. Everybody has to have it. So it's not something that you're just going to kind of swing by in. Um, and I wound up loving it. I, I, yes. I mean, there are some pieces that can make it very boring, you know, contracts and things like that, but you've got to make it fun and you've got to figure it out. There's a lot of risk involved. Um, there's so many different departments and different places and different things, and you could just have such a huge impact in it. Um, so I fell in love with insurance, um, Intertech more so, um, just because I like the whole digital space. I love, you know, the, the fast pacedness that it that it goes towards um i find it very innovative very exciting um so i definitely like the the intertech side much better than the insurance you know company per se so what was it about um like like you you spent 15 years at state farm and you you obviously learned a lot there and uh and then and then you worked your way up through a bunch of other insurance companies like what were some of the big takeaways for you? Like what an in insurance really geeked you out? Like even outside of technology, like what, what, what did you really like about it? And what did you really focus your time and energy on special project was? I think for insurance, for me, I think um, you feel safe when you have it and you know that you have the right, the right amount of insurance that you need. 
I think what I also like about it is, you know, from the, I'm, you know, on the, the corporate side, I was much more on the operations side. So to me, it was really just making sure that everybody felt good about themselves. And they had the, I mean, it's a huge responsibility, you know, making sure that everybody had the right amount of insurance that, A, and again, I'm going to bring up errors and emissions because you need to make sure that no one's going to get sued um, and that you're, you really have your due diligence on every single customer. So I think if you can make somebody feel good, you can make somebody feel safe. Um, that's important. It's, it's important to have and really just to make sure that everything is covered. Going over all those gaps, last thing you want is any level of gap in coverage. So that to me is just something that I enjoy doing um, for everybody. Yeah, Jackie. So um, it's so great to have you on. Um, we had Thank the you. privilege of uh, connecting with each other back in 2019 when you were with Arius Analytics. And yes. um, it's kind of a funny uh, story. So I think I uh, just put like my business card in where I was visiting a booth. I think it was at InsureTech Connect and one of those raffles, right? Leave your business card and you might win a prize. And so I actually having to get picked for the prize. And um, it was a set of noise canceling headphones, super high end, very, very nice. And um, so you guys reached out, you let me know I was the winner and uh, the headphones came and I'm excitedly taking off the shrink wrap, opening the box, unzipping the case. And I was kind of stunned to find a pile of rocks. <laughs> And um, I couldn't understand what was going on. I was so like confused and I reached back out and uh, I kind of let you know, hey, thanks for the headphones, but um, there were no headphones involved. And I think I sent you some some pictures and, and you and your team at the time were just so kind and, and you know, had said, you know, very apologetic and it did send me. Um, a new pair that actually did contain headphones and I still use them to this day. Even my, my uh, daughter who is in uh, sixth grade, she will use them on a daily basis um, when she's doing her homework. And then I love them for the airplane or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of a, a funny surprise that uh, initially connected us. Yes, it was uh, the moon rocks. So every time I think of you, I think of a pile of rocks. Um, yeah, that that was embarrassing, but it was actually really quite funny. And I'm I'm glad in the end we you know we were able to give you what you needed. Oh, God, I mean that just goes to show you you try to order something on eBay and forget it. You you never know. Uh, so we got we got scammed. <laughs> well, I had to laugh because somebody like must have figured out how many rocks to put in this thing to be pretty much the exact weight. And then it was shrink wrapped. Like this wasn't, it didn't look like it was something that you bought secondhand or something from a garage sale, whatever. I mean, it looked totally, totally legit. And so, you know, whoever's packing it wherever, right. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> but I, Hey, you know, it, it definitely makes, it makes an interesting story. And, and I always kind of uh, think of uh, that. And uh, so we, you know, kind of recently reconnected. And so, th so mm -hmm. thrilled to have you uh, on the podcast. Um, you mentioned kind of your career on the carrier side and, yeah. and you know, that's been the bulk of my career as well. I know you also have exposure to the distribution side. You yourself are a licensed agent, even though you, you know, you don't serve in that capacity, but you certainly, right. you know, advise uh, companies and know that. So you have such a well-rounded background in the industry. And as you mentioned, you know, you have been now advising insure tech companies over the past several years. So I would just love like what, 
is your reaction to kind of insure tech in general? And are there particular areas that you're really excited about uh, it in terms of changing the insurance industry for the good? That it's, um, it's interesting. I um like, I'm never surprised. I think what I do love about the intratech space is, again, it's it's so fast-paced. You never really know what's going to happen. I think when you go to, like, the Intratech Connect, where we met, um, it's that's probably my favorite part of the year. It's like every year you go, and what I love about it, it's like you don't sleep. It's not like I'm out there getting drunk, and, but, like, literally, you're just, you're, it's just so stimulating, and it's so overwhelming and exciting because, A, you're meeting thousands of people globally all over the world. You're meeting the brightest and the most intellectual people all over. Um, you know, your millennials, your centennials, these are the people that are kind of taking over this this space that we have to adapt to. So I'm never really surprised, but at the same time, I find it so exciting. You know, you're looking at robots and you're looking at drones and you're looking at telematics and you're looking at all of these different areas. Um, and it just, there's no surprises. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's just extremely stimulating that I just, I just love this space that it just gets more and more exciting every day. Um, but I think what, What's really happening again now with with this whole landscape is, you know, again, I, I hate to talk about COVID, but obviously it's still here and it's here to stay, I guess, for a little while. But, you know, there's still, you know, during that time, people thought that they were digital and they weren't. Um, so they're still sort of, you know, trying to figure <laughs> figure out, you know, with, with the carriers and the companies are a little bit um, slower and they're methodical and they're thinking on, you know, how they're going to go about it. And they're, you know, not so savvy when it comes to the tech side. But I think, um, you know, there's so many different areas that need a lot of change. Um, and becoming more digital, you're, again, you're, you're eliminating those gaps and you're becoming a lot more efficient. You know, you're, you're becoming more cost efficient. You're, you're eliminating gaps on the errors and emissions. Um, you're, which again is my pet peeve. Um, you're developing a lot more new products. I mean, they're, they're, everybody has a different issue. You know, you try to customize, you know, you listen to these customers and you try to customize some products, whatever their low hanging fruit is and what we could do, whether it's from a sales enablement, we try to get them to, you know, figure out when they should be selling something or when is a good time to offer another product or, you know, retaining that customer. Um, and as you know, I mean, retaining a customer is truly probably the most critical component in insurance is retention and retaining a customer. Losing that customer over years is is far worse than the new business cycle, than the business you, you need as well. So I think... Um, there's, you know, I think there's just a lot more exciting times. I think the growth is just going to continue. Um, more people at home, you're dealing with cybersecurity, you're dealing with other issues that I'm seeing more and more so now, um, you know, the audits, the compliance and those pieces as well. So there's just so many different areas and so many different pockets, I think that we can really fulfill. So this is a great time for the intertech space, I think, more than ever. We had a healthy discussion on my um one of my talks recently uh, about what insure tech even means, like what the <laughs> word even means, because, you know, we've used technology and insurance for decades now yeah. and, and insurance was really a prime mover in the use of computers just in general. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, they were, 
fairly early adopters. I, it's always interesting to me when people say that insurance is uh, lagging behind other industries because actually it's straight on average. Um, uh, you know, the easiest way to to look at that is uh, the Gartner um, spending index, where they they index the percent of revenue spent on IT by industry. Mm-hmm. Average is three percent. Insurance is three percent. The one that's actually the laggard is the other industry I've spent a lot of time in. That's construction. They're at one percent of revenue spent on technology, and so they're 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 truly last place. Like they're you know they're bringing up the rear on uh, on spending. But uh, you know insurance was pretty early. But actually, that's one of the big problems that we've identified in all of my discussions recently is that uh, because they were early movers and had they bought the mainframes, they implemented COBOL systems. A lot of them are still using those. Um, and it's it's actually the early innovations holding them back now because it's not scalable, programmable, accessible anywhere. It's not cloud. It's not cloud based. It's not web based. Um, they're still using like a legacy desktop and mainframe based AS four hundred systems, and so it ends up being a bit of a problem. So then we tried to define okay, well, if insurance has used tech for a long time, like what the hell is insure tech? And uh, I I would argue that it's a it's a radically experience radically different user experience. Um, that that's one of the things I think is a hallmark, right? Like it's mm-hmm. radically different user experience, dramatically streamlined, leverages big data, uses AI and machine learning. One of the things that you promote on your website, um, and 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 is AI enabled sales. So or AI sales enablement. So so why don't you talk about that for a second? What that really means? Like what does it actually mean for the end customer? And who is the customer? Um, okay, great. Um, I mean, so. It's interesting how you mentioned Intratech, but basically we're trying to make insurance companies into technology. Um, so I, you know, Intratech, insurance and tech. Um, sales enablement really is gathering and, com- you know, compiling. You know, it's it's great if you can get two, two to three years worth of data so that we can get some sort of historical background. Not always necessary, though. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we can whatever company you're working with or for, um, you start to collect data from all over globally. So you kind of have an idea of nationally, geographically, um, statewide, territory. I mean, it really, really, you can really go down to the nitty gritty of, of just about everything. Um, almost like working for the FBI agent. It's it's just, it, it it's that fine tune as you start to collect. So, if you can collect the data from another company, um, that's fabulous. Um, again, it's not always good data. You know, you, you hear the term all the time, giga, garbage in, garbage out, but you still try to fill in those gaps. Um, and as you start to collect data, it it really just, really what it does is it starts to predict. So um, a great terminology, even if I went down to the consumer level, you know, if um, Rob ate, Chinese food at a certain restaurant, maybe Hunan taste, I don't know, every Wednesday, and it was consistent. I probably could predict that if Rob did not go without Chinese food in the next two weeks, probably by that third week, he would be going back to Hunan taste. So these are the type of things that you start to collect. So you start to predict that behavior, very similar to like a sales enablement. When you start collecting data, And if you really go down to it and you start collecting other information, let's just say if you're starting to collect some social information, let's say people are posting things on Facebook or some other realms, you'll start to identify whether or not what what they're buying. Let's say they're purchasing a boat 
or they're per, you know they're jumping out of an airplane. Um, you're starting to pick up the, these collective things, um, which allows you to then reach out to that customer and say, "Hey, you know, not not sounding like a psychic or scaring the crap out of them, but you start to determine whether or not, as you're collecting this data, there, there's sort of ways to kind of go around it as you're doing, say, a, a personal insurance review, so to speak." And you start asking those questions, probing them so that you know that you can at least get the insurance on some of these pieces. So the sales enablement piece, really what that does is it it, it sort of fills those gaps as people are buying things. Um, and it starts to predict the behavior of individuals, groups, territories. Um, another example is, let's just say if you live in an area where there's a lot of water, probably where there's a lot of water, there's probably going to be a lot of boats. So Again, it's, you know, someone doesn't have a boat or a jet ski or something like that. You can pretty much predict that somewhere along the line, especially as they start having kids and so forth, that they probably would, that that would be a question you would ask. So again, you would kind of fill in that gap. Fair enough. Um, what specific technologies are you implementing to do this? Uh, like, are you, are you working with a, a suite of insure tech startups? Are you actually building your own tech. I mean, walk, walk me through the the details. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. I, I get the the big the big picture yes. here. But uh, what what how how are you actually enabling this at uh, at insurance companies? Um, so it's some of them use their own um, you know data scientists you know to to sort of build build this out. Um, and then others, there's a whole other area. It's called enrichment, which really sort of enhances it. Um, on the enrichment side, you definitely need to, you know, work with some other companies, um, you know, such as like a SingSort or something like that, where they they have additional data that you can collect um, to really sort of fine tune certain things, you know, getting specific records or specific social consumer information. Um, you know, there's a lot of protocols, uh, you know, that kind of come with this as, as well, because you can't just sell this stuff off. Like you really have to worry about the, consu- you know, the, the privacies of the consumers. Um, but it really can get very, 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 very deep. So these are just additional services that you can kind of add in addition to what you're collecting. So you can get your unstructured and your structured data. You collect all that information. You sort of build that out, that technology, and then you enhance it. Yeah. So the, the sales enhancement um, and like use of AI, machine learning and others is is kind of exciting and cutting edge. And I think about um, the insurance industry, you know, it's very much um, zero sum in a lot of ways, like auto insurance in particular, right? There's so much advertising on TV and you're absolutely trying to steal customers away from one another. I know um, areas like life insurance as well have been a, a, a major challenge. But you mentioned a couple of times uh, the other side of it, uh, errors and omissions or ENO. And um, this is a really important concept that we really haven't talked about on this podcast. And there's probably not a lot of content out there. And so I'd love to have you provide our listeners with just a broad overview of what is ENO? Why should they worry about it? And then are there any trends that you're seeing in this space, either um, good to like help? with this challenge or maybe some negative trends that are things to you know be on the lookout for? Um, great question. Um, ENO is my baby. Um, my favorite line of business is, uh, is a, um, your umbrella policy. And it just seems to lack in a lot of different areas. So ENO is errors and emissions. And 
there's huge responsibilities for people in insurance company, as well as your agents that are licensed um, to make sure that they're rounding out these accounts and there's no gaps in coverage. Um, a prime example of a gap in coverage would be you have to have very specific, uh, you have to have certain limits of liability. Um, for instance, um, if we have a house, of course, it, a lot of people don't own that, you know, people that don't own that home have to have a mortgage and there's certain requirements that they have to have, certain liability limits, et cetera. Once you reduce those limits, um, that becomes the gap. Um, auto insurance is probably the bigger one. If I'm talking personal lines, I'll talk personal lines to keep it on a smaller scale. But on a, uh, an automobile liability, again, you typically, if you have an umbrella, you have to have 300000 in liability before you can have your umbrella policy, which would cover a million dollars if somebody gets sued or someone winds up in an accident. Um, if somebody calls in and they reduce that coverage to say 100,000 to save, I don't know, $20, $30, then your umbrella policy is now no longer, um, there's a gap. So what does happen, let's just say if you have an auto with, I don't know, State Farm and you have your umbrella someplace else, say Chubb, whatever, um, any other insurance company, they can't see it. The agent can't see where there's a gap in coverage and that somebody just reduced their liability limits. So if somebody winds up in a car accident um, and they get sued before that umbrella policy picks up, if it's down to 100, they have to pay $200,000 out of pocket, which a lot of people don't typically have. So that's a major, major concern. So that umbrella policy is, will not touch until they pay that $200,000. E&O really just comes in many forms. That's just one small example. Um, it happens all the time, more than we would ever want to hear, but it's the scariest thing. Um, insurance companies get sued millions and millions of dollars. Agencies will wind up being completely wiped out because they can't afford it. But errors and emissions is a huge component. Um, more so when you're doing like an AI or an ML enablement or even a sales enablement, you really need to find a way to make sure that there are no gaps in coverage. Somebody may steal one line of business, but if you don't keep it all together with one carrier or one company, you can't see all the lines to make sure that everybody has the proper insurance that's needed and necessary. And that's why it's really important to kind of keep it together. So when you're dealing with sales enablement, or really with any other line of business, you really want to do your best to make sure that you're keeping it all together. People often will try to save money. You know, again, I'm not putting anybody, let's just say if you go with a Geico, you know, they say that they have these great rates, but let's do apples to apples. They may say, all right, you know, I just saved $700. Great. That's fantastic. But let me take a look at that deck page and, and compare exactly what coverages are. And I can guarantee you that there's other areas or other, you know, endorsements that are maybe not added on, or, you know, maybe it's not replacement cost, it's, you know, depreciation. There could be some other pieces that are not on there. And it, and that's why it's so important. It's such an important role as an agent to make sure that you're looking at all these pieces. And that's where your AI and your ML can come in because it helps eliminate the gaps from an efficiency standpoint to make sure that you're filling in all these areas if someone's not doing their job or, you know, they missed something. So therefore it can give you like a hit or, you know, an additional question to make sure that you ask to make sure that those gaps are not, the gaps are not, um, handled and you know you're you're creating a hole um well, you know so that someone doesn't fall into that realm and someone winds up getting sued well help me understand how, how you're doing a gap analysis with, with machine learning are you actually spinning up a machine learning model and 
putting in historical data and then looking at current. Because, I mean, a lot of this sounds like it's just a giant if-then conditional statement where you're just saying, like, if this policy limit it hits this level and the next one is at this level, then you've got a, you've got a gap between your, your primary coverage and your excess. That's mm-hmm. not machine learning, right? That's just that's just a that's just a conditional statements. Like, help me understand. Ha, yeah, help me understand how 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 machine learning specifically is solving a problem that a if then conditional statement can't. That is correct. What you would do is you would actually create a rule. So once you create a rule, it's sort of a hit or an edit to make sure that that's there. From a machine learning standpoint, what you could do is you could really kind of analyze the data that's behind there. Let's say if somebody winds up with a claim, you could pick up the claim activity. You could pick up what's missing. So that's where that would come into play. So are you working with a specific vendor on this? Yes. I mean, at times you do work with different vendors. And at times you're just working with the scientist that helps build it. Um, you know, some of these things are more homegrown. Some of the, uh-huh. the, they could build their own stuff. But oftentimes they will use other vendors to gather and collect information. Okay. Where the pieces are missing. Like I, like I, re- I originally done, done some work with with Gradient AI, who is who is a spinoff of Milliman, right? And and Gradient, right. Gradient does a whole bunch of data processing on claim data and gets into uh, reserve setting, right? Mm-hmm. And we and, and so we'll, they'll they'll go in and and do recommended reserves, um, and they look for correlation and causality. So they they use a machine learning model that digs through millions of historical claims and looks for contributing factors other than the obvious stuff, right? I mean, the obvious stuff is comorbidity on a work comp claim, for Mm -hmm. example, right? And uh, then they they all peel through the current claim data, apply the model that they ran on the former claim data, the stuff that's closed because they know the outcomes, and then they start making recommendations on suggested treatments or a recommendation on a reserve change that needs to be made. And so that's how they're using, you know, machine learning in that particular case. That was something that you couldn't explicitly program into a conditional statement because there were just too many data points. You're, 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 you're you know, you're analyzing 65 to 100 data points uh, across uh, 50 million claims. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's very challenging to manually program that. Um, and that so that's, that's that's why we've we've built machine learning models to do this. Um, uh, it, what what do you think the end result of all this is going to be? In insurance companies, are they going to are they going to actually make better decisions? Are they going to drive their underwriting profits up? Like, what do you, what do you what do you think the the real benefit is other than the fact that they're using cool technology? Um, a great question. I think again, if if insurance companies don't learn to adopt um, some of these technologies, um, they will be under in no time because the profitability will continue to drop. Or they can just make a decision. Workers' comp is, is a perfect example. Workers' comp is not really a very profitable line of business um, in, in many scenarios. But you have to find out what's the underlying reason why it's not, what specific categories are not. And then that's where machine learning does come into play as well, because you can really make the determinations and set the proper pricing so that you can become profitable. Um, there's, you know, a lot of other things that you can do even from a claims perspective. I mean, it's all about becoming more profitable. So if insurance companies do not adopt this technology, they're either going to make a decision not to take on specific lines of business and completely eliminate it to a certain degree. Um, and then they're not going to be in the competition of others. So I think it's going to be a very interesting mix. But 
I do know that, you know, it, it, it is such a hot spot for a lot of companies right now. I think a lot of carriers are realizing that if they're not there, they're behind the times. They're really trying to find ways to be more efficient um, and sort of adopt some of these strategies. So Jackie, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, APIs and kind of the platform ecosystem approach and their ability to spur innovative new products and you know microinsurance and elsewhere. I know that's another area that you're passionate about. Right. I mean, I I can't tell you what, uh, a whole lot about it. I do know that you know these you know there's a lot of SaaS models out there. There there's definitely a lot of you know you have your your integrations, which makes it very simple. There's I think you know what I find is when you go again to a lot of these. Um, technology or, you know, your ITC and some of your other events that are out there, you realize, you know, there's so many other interesting models that they can integrate to help, you know, fill specific pockets of, um, you know, especially if somebody has a niche market, um, finding some of those niche holes to fulfill some of these areas, which, you know, again, we're seeing more and more of as well. Um, there was uh, an interesting. Yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, there was an interesting one. This one was on the fintech side. Um, someone again, you know, kind of looking for funding, but this model or what he's looking for specifically is um, on the fintech side. This one is, it, it's sort of like I invoice um, as well as hand type recognition. So therefore, if you don't have your credit cards or any information in front of you it still has the ability to kind of pick up to see and know who you are, so to speak. So there's a lot of other little niches out there um, that are also very interesting, depending upon, again, you know, you have a lot of specialty companies out there and some real, real niche markets. So I think that's also a very interesting area and, you know, dynamic that's out there. Um, You don't hear about them as much, but you will as you get into more of the specialty lines. And as just as a follow-up, Jackie, we'd love to have you talk a little bit about um, your advisory firm and the type of work that you do. I know that you obviously, you know, are on the advisory board of several companies, and I also know that you can um, help companies link to to funding um, if they're they're looking for that. So maybe you can just t- tell us a little bit about um, your advisory firm and the services that you provide. Great, thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's it's Berkman Advisory is the name of my firm, and it's really. Um, a bunch of things that I can do. So from the consulting standpoint, I can help fund different companies, particularly startups is really sort of my niche. Um, and my favorite, of course, is, you know, we could do a, a broadcast with uh, 43,000 accredited investors um, to help with the funding, which is global. Um, I really, you know, I'm working on a big case. I also help um, some cases when it comes to very specific contracts, if there's an e exposure. I have a huge one coming up right now, um, and they're probably going to be sued for a couple million dollars um, at this point. Um, they've been out several hundred thousand dollars due to, you know, a broker giving bad advice and not having the proper coverages. Um, so, you know, it's really a combination of things. I am on a, a board of several companies. Um, I'm an advisor at Refocus AI, and that's where I help them with their sales enablement. So. I really, really handle everything from, but again, really more of my niche is on the startup side, consulting, anything insurance related for the most part. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Before we go, uh, Rob, I know you have two news stories today. 
Yeah, I do. Um, so the first is actually a follow-up on our conversation with Peter Grant from uh, SafeSight. And we talked about the relationship between Foresight, the MGA, and, and SafeSight, the technology platform. And we talked about them raising their Series B. Well, there was an announcement in Coverager this week um, that they are announcing the expansion of their um, appetite to include uh, four new um, codes. Uh, so they're serving customers in agribusiness, construction, and manufacturing. Uh, they're going to janitorial, poultry farming, dairy farms, hog and sheep farming, and stock farms. Um, and so it's just going to you know, allow them to kind of expand their um, underwriting appetite. So mm. just kind of, it's fun to see the progress of the technology, the MGA piece, getting the funding, you know, refining the platform and then being able to uh, expand to new markets. So yeah. uh, congrats to the folks at Foresight and we'll continue to to monitor their well, progress. You know, it started as just constru construction safety app and turned into something much more than that. So it's good to see them... Uh, spreading their wings uh, to poultry <laughs> and uh and uh and of course other 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 businesses uh other than that i, I don't have dad jokes for but uh it, it is a really great business obviously we had peter grant on here who's uh integrally involved uh in uh, in foresight and uh, i would expect to see more companies like this coming up that start as tech companies and you know, we've seen this before they start building tooling they go to mgas of course some end up you know try to be an mga and then go back to building tooling for brokers uh there's there's a there's a there's a good back and forth uh, on this whole thing but uh we'll, we'll see how this one turns out but i am excited to see they're expanding the other one i've got this week is from insurance journal um and it's actually a study that um some folks in the uk did that suggests that flooding losses in the us are going to reach 40 billion dollars by the year 2050. um so this is about a 25 percent increase over the risk today um and again tied in with climate change tied in with sea level rise i think this has been a focus for a long time so just you know kind of one more study that's um focused on this issue we've seen a lot of um development in the private insurance market going beyond what the national flood insurance program does um, we know a lot of agents and brokers are actually uh, prefer selling the private insurance mar uh, products where they uh, apply for for flood we've talked to folks like jim albert from neptune flood and others so uh, i think those guys are going to be uh, in business for a while just because the risk of flood uh, continues to uh, ever increase you know, some articles have said that some scientists predict that uh, the southern third of Florida will be underwater by the year 2100. Um, uh, I, I, I don't, you know, uh, that you, you could also say that the sea level in Florida has risen about an inch per decade. So I don't know if, you, if, if an inch per decade, if 10 inches over, uh, over 100 years results in, a, uh, in, in the southern third of the state being underwater. But uh, it's been interesting, you know, we, we, there's so much talk about climate change and there's so much talk about rising sea levels and so much talk about the increased severity of weather, but we still haven't really seen the insurance market react to that in, in, a, in a material way, right? I mean, there's still insurers going into Florida, they're still insuring buildings, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it, and, you know, they're not, they're not placing that. The, the other ones that I'm really looking, of course, is all in like the financial services industry. The insurance companies, they have some long game that they have to stay on the hook for, right? But they can just, you know, they can non-renew and they can step out of the state and they can say, hey, look, this is no longer at risk. The ones that are really on the hook are lenders. And so that's the ones that I think are really interesting when you start talking about 30 to 40 year projections on on um, 
on sea level uh, projections and on uh, se- severe weather projections. Because the lenders are the ones that are really on the hook for 30 years as they write these 30-year notes, right? Rob, I mean, it, it, it would it would stand to me that if the financial <laughs> well, services unless they industry... get the federal government to buy it or the securitized <laughs> loans, like there is somebody at the end that's holding the bag. It's just not always clear who that person is. Yeah, like I just wonder like at what... You know, there there were two days ago, and and this all comes up because and you mentioned you know climate change, right? This is about pushing flood losses, and we're talking about you know the the amount of rain and the amount of sea level rise. So you've kind of two things is you know the the rain that comes down, and then like if the ocean's actually coming up. And there was a report two days ago that said that the sea level could rise a foot by 2050, yeah. um, which would defy the one inch per decade that another agency said that we're going to experience. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not so it's it's year 2022. That that's that's literally inside the 30-year window of a mortgage, but I'm not seeing any material change in mortgage underwriting in Southern Florida to account for a sea level uh rise of 1 foot by 2050 because they're writing notes that go out past that date. Right? Like that's that's what that's what has me kind of questioning, you know, who who you know where where, where the bets because you know the, the you have to look at where the bets are being placed right and and uh, kind of you kind of wonder about that don't you Rob? Well, you do, but on the other hand, right, that person that is uh, you know proving that mortgage today is probably going to be long gone by the time it's an issue. So, um, like I said, I mean, this is a game of musical chairs, and the chair is not going to be there for somebody when the music stops. But it's not always clear who that person is, and so therefore the system kind of continues unless there's a crisis which is uh you know yeah. i mean i think the the old rama manual right uh don't don't what, what is it like a crisis too good opportunity to waste or something like yeah, that yeah yeah well, no. don't, don't, don't ever waste a good crisis take that right? to see yeah. change <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, this you, you mean it's funny you mean humans are going to behave like humans and and not think beyond the lifespan of their career like if something literally extends beyond the job they're gonna have, they're not gonna worry about it. Oh, oh my gosh, no! I mean, people would do that. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting. We'll we'll see. We're gonna get closer to these horizon dates, and uh, it's gonna get more and more real. Uh, and so it's at some point the insurance and financial services markets are gonna have to react to all this, um, in a, in a in a material way. Like stop stop writing loans in certain areas, and stop writing uh, buildings, and, and stop insuring buildings. And so I. I just, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, it was a, a good uh, conversation, and I, I really appreciate you being on. I'm glad that you guys met at Insure Tech Connect. Uh, Jackie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was such a pleasure. Yeah. And as always, Rob Galbraith, uh, good to see you, buddy. Absolutely, James. Another great episode. And I'm sure in episode 10,000, we'll be talking about the fallout from all the flooding. <laughs> you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to be the case. Of course, on my other podcast, Contact Brew, we talk about this all the time because all these construction companies are on the hook for all these buildings that are having issues in Florida. So it's a, it's a topic, you know, it's a topic that, that building collapse in South Florida, man, that, that, that did a number on insurance, financial services, and and construction markets. Uh, so it's it's a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a perma topic. It's gonna it's gonna keep coming up. But anyway, thank you for joining the Insure Tech Geek Podcast. It's all about insure, but all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I'm your host James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. 
Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Dalthadar, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. I look forward to, to talking with you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.